Hi, I'm Lee Keough, Editor-in-Chief of NJ Spotlight, and I'd like to welcome you to our new conference podcast series. Today's program is from our NJ Spotlight on Cities event, held October 16th, 2015, at the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark. Civic Tech is a movement to help build technology solutions for the needs of communities. Three members of Code for America, Isaiah Zay Little from Code for Newark, Akisha Grigsby and Sherrod Hegde of OpenJC are the panelists for this session and describe their efforts to build programs for the people of Jersey City and Newark. Heather Taylor of the Dow Jones News Fund moderates. Thank you for sticking around for the Civic Tech panel. We're really excited. I know we're running a little over time, so we just want to sort of jump in and let people come in as we go. Uh, my name's Heather Taylor. I'm with the Dow Jones News Fund. Joining me today, we have Akizia Grigsby from OpenJC, co-founder, and um, she's also the brigade captain of Code for Jersey City. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And then we have Isaiah Little. He is the project manager uh, for Office of Information Technology in the city of Newark. He's also the brigade captain for Code for Newark. Hello. And finally, Sherrod Hegde, director of engineering for OpenJC. Um, he also is involved for Code for Jersey, uh, Jersey City, and he's a entrep local entrepreneur. So thank you, everyone, for coming. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I just want to let you know, the, uh, the mayor's panel is not coming in before 4.15, so... Uh, we, got a, okay. we get our half hour. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. So before we get started um, and talking to the panel and prepping for today, we wanted to get a sense of who was in the room. Um, so I'm going to see who are the technologists here. Who are the techies? All right, one, okay. <laughs> poor, poor, unfortunate soul. You're going to have to translate for everyone in the room. Um, civic, the civic-minded people. You know. Well, the third, yeah, everyone should be raising their hand if they're here today. Or maybe clap. Clap, <laughs> clap. Once. Clap it, okay. Finally, government! <laughs> A couple. Okay, so it's mostly the civic minded audience here. So you are guys the change agents in the community. So great and welcome. Um, so, how many of you are familiar with civic tech? Okay, a little bit. So that's good. So I just want to sort of t sort of define what we're talking about when we talk about civic tech here. It's technology that empowers citizens or helps make government more accessible, efficient, and effective. So we're looking at government data, collaborative consumption, um, crowdfunding ideas, social networking, community organizing. It really encompasses a lot. Uh, to me, it's the intersection of government, politics, democracy, and technology. Um, but I wanted to start with the panel and let them tell us a little bit about themselves and what civic tech means to each of you. Uh, okay, so I'll start. My name is Akisia Grigsby. Uh, I helped start the uh, Vivo.com, if anyone is familiar. It's the video portal uh, for all videos uh, that's integrated with YouTube. Uh, I, and I also am founder and co-executive uh, director of OpenJC and brigade captain of Code for JC. Code for JC is a program of OpenJC um, and also a part of the Code for America network. If anyone does not know who Code for America is, please write it down. It's an, a major, major organization. It's a game changer. Uh, it's a national nonprofit. Uh, and it basically, it, if you think of... So, let me take a step back really quick. Civic tech, right? Civic tech is a movement. Um, it is uh, the platform that has created a space for Uber, 
for Airbnb. Uh, and so what we, we are here, we are the, chain, the game changers uh, in civic tech for New Jersey. Uh, that's what we're doing. Uh, and how do we change the game? We change the game by changing the landscape of vendor, gov government vendors. Uh, and we'll go into a, a few details later. So. I'd just like to start that I work with Akizia um, several times for the last couple years or so, and I did not know that you were so heavily involved with Vivo. So I'm a little, <laughs> a little disappointed that I didn't know that. Could leverage that for something. We'll talk later. Um, but yeah, I'm Zay, and as a millennial, I think just by you know definition, I'm a technologist. Um, we're impatient, and we naturally you know know uh, or use modern tools. So um, I, essentially, I think that's what civic tech is: um, realizing a problem, um, embracing a problem, and trying to use technology in some way or form um, to solve that problem. Um, if you're a journalist, you know using Twitter. That's technology. You're a civic hacker. Um, if you use um, Facebook, uh, Facebook's great, by the way, for just, yeah, what they do. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a public servant um, through my entrepreneurial efforts, through my position with the city, and through my role with uh, Code for Newark. So uh, I'm here to do my part with not just Newark, but the, uh, the gateway of, uh, of New Jersey as well. Gateway? Yeah. I don't know. Jersey gate. City is a <laughs> gateway to New Jersey, North Jersey. We have a little battle going on, Jersey okay. City versus North. But we're, it's All a right. friend, friendly battle. Sorry. Friendly competition. <laughs> okay. I'm Shirad Higde. Uh, I've spent most of my life uh, working for finance companies on the technology side. And around a few years ago, uh, in a, like a Jerry Maguire moment, I left. <laughs> I left corporate and started a path on my own, and it eventually led to Code for Jersey City, which is, as Akizia said, is a brigade or a chapter for Code for America, where we do civic tech projects. Now, let me kind of give you a little bit of background that gives you an understanding of what civic tech is. So civic tech movement is an offshoot of open source movement that was started by techies a few years ago. So in the, in, in the initial world times, it's more like, you know, Julius Caesar's, I came, I saw, I conquered. The techies kind of came, saw a problem. These technologies saw a problem in the communities. They came together to build solution. And then they thought with that solution, they would conquer all the problems. It was effective. It was a great start. It started a momentum. But because they were just techies, it had some limited scope of how much these, these kinds of projects could achieve. Okay? But since then, the movement has grown beyond the techies. Right? It has grown, it has expanded to include other people, including mainly uh, civic-minded people the community organizers, the government bodies, right? The government and the semi-government bodies, and everyone else. And that has really expanded its reach and scope. Uh, the second aspect of it, as I said earlier, people initially thought what their problem was and built solutions to these problems. But now it has grown beyond that. Now it is more user-centric. It is more what we call as with, not for. You know, building something for someone, but we are building things with the community and for the community. So with that kind of user-centric approach, we have been able to build better solutions using technology that are more effective in solving the problems of the local communities. 
And on, on that note, uh, I just want to quote uh, Lauren Ellen uh, McCain, who, who said, meet people where they are. She wrote a book, and if anyone wants to check this out, it's an amazing book, Experimental Modes of Civic Engagement in Civic Tech. And it's the investigation uh, on what it means to build civic uh, with, not for. Um, you mentioned Airbnb and Uber, and I'm just, you know, sometimes examples are the best way to learn, so I was just wondering, what are some good examples of civic tech in cities? Like, what is the, a great project that you wish, God, I wish I could bring this to Jersey City and Newark. Um, what's out there? Akizi, you guys well, I can talk about what we did. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, so in Jersey City, uh, well, let, let's, let me take a step back. Um, our brigade is three years old already, uh, and our brigade meaning Code for America Brigade, called Code for JC. Uh, we were the first, uh, with our partners, Code for Newark, to open up Port Authority, New York and New Jersey, their, their data to the public back in, uh, in February. We were the first. <laughs> Get a shot. That was a major accomplishment. <laughs> Uh, another one is uh, we have a, pro a program called the Jersey City Public Safety Alert System, which is now we renamed it, we branded it called BeSafe.City. We got a quarter million dollar grant from Google Ideas uh, to produce this program for Jersey City as a pilot. Uh, and, and Sherrod is the director of engineering, so he can kind of go into the details for that. But we essentially, we, we meet with the people first. Um, we come up with the solutions together before even implementing a, a plan or a program. And then we solve it together and we, we, we prove it with them. And then if it doesn't work, we go back to the drawing board and refigure it out together. So... Two projects that I would love to see implemented in Newark. Uh, one is uh, Chai Hack Nights, uh, tech, Civic Tech 101, uh, which essentially is a tutorial of sorts, um, very brief to give those who uh, may deem themselves laymen or noobs, um, as we call them in the tech world, noobs. <laughs> It's a lot of jargon. Um, but yeah, essentially you give them a, a crash course in civic tech. Um, a lot of the, you know, the, the verbiage that might be thrown around, so you're, you're familiar with in conversation, um, different ways in which you can engage, uh, whether you are interested in the coding or programming side or you want to stay more so in the feedback and support. Um, it's, a, it's really a crash course that I think is very effective and I want to see that implemented in the city. Um, and one other is called Art Finder, Public Art Finder. Um, it might also be called Art Around. Um, the Philadelphia Brigade actually uh, launched that first um, and it's been you know adapted and launched in several other cities around the country and essentially it's a great opportunity to not only catalog public art that's around the city, but also identify different areas that could use uh, some public art and uh, essentially start pinpointing different areas in which we can beautify the city even further. So I think that those are some of those like softballs that um, anyone can kind of grasp and then begin to understand how we can use uh, technology um, across the board. So there are several projects uh, across the country that are really very encouraging, but I'll name a few that everybody could relate to. Uh, one of them is by uh, Smart Cities, Smart Chicago, and it's about 
uh, Early Education. There is an app uh, or a website for early education. So if you are around sh uh, Chicago metro area, you can go and uh, kind of see a list of different programs at, uh, for different ages, for different kind of, uh, uh, for normal kids, for de developmentally challenged kids, and all kinds of early, uh, early education programs. They have another one which helps you with zonal parking. What is alternate side parking? What are the rules? When is the street cleaning? And this is something that is useful for all urban residents. Um, we are building one in Jersey City right now. Boston has one which is called BPS, Boston Public School System, which helps the parents navigate what schools should they select for you know, elementary, middle school, etc. And I can see a great need of that application in a city like Jersey City where you know, we don't have access to the information on schools. Like which schools have APS programs? Which schools are, have sp good sports programs? And so on and so forth to make a decision of what schools our kids should go to. And, and by the way, um, if you go to codeforamerica.com uh, forward slash tools, I think it is, there are open source tools that your city uh, or nonprofit can use for free. All you have to do is just is import your data, and you can use those tools. Those all sound like really great projects. So, how do you get them to your cities? What are the challenges that you face to bring, you know, something like an art project or parking app or you know, finding what the best schools are? What are the challenges you face in your city? Well, I think one of them, in especially in Newark, is the human capital to dedicate to that or commit to that. Um, the depth of you know experts and specialists is, I think, one of the major things we run into here in Newark. Uh, while we have you know Audible, Panasonic, um, as well as Prudential, who has a ton of you know data analysts. Um, we don't really have the connection between a lot of our older institutions and our communities just yet. Um, on top of that, the community being prepared to contribute as well. Um, in Philadelphia, you have a swath of uh, individuals who may have the knowledge, may just do this, you know, as a hobby, uh, maybe a librarian, but they 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 have that those school, those skill sets so that they can contribute to you know different projects. Um, so I think that that's one of the things that 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 is an issue. And here in the city of Newark, we're attacking that on a couple different fronts um, with our civic hacking organizations. Um, like I said, we're implementing things like Civic Tech 101, um, and within the city of Newark, um, in our IT div the division, uh, office, office of IT, um, we have the City of Code, which essentially is a bunch of after-school uh, coding opportunity, coding clubs. Um, we're launching at least two this um, this coming fall. Uh, one will be a grades, excuse me, ages 11 through 13. That's a robotics club, sort of like an intro, and then we have. Um, sort of like the fundamentals for our high school, and that's gonna be at three different locations. So three high school sites and two for um, our middle schoolers, and last we have the Art of Code, which we're really, really excited about. Um, we're essentially, we're using workforce investment dollars, um, and for the first time, at least in this municipality, uh, for instead of you know teaching CDL training, we're actually gonna teach 20 individuals front-end web development. So they're gonna, by the end of this eight-week intensive, uh, be junior level front-end developers um, 144 I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm gonna get I'm gonna give the mic up 144 hours of instructions um, they're going to be in a cohort that's tightly knit and then have affiliations with our uh, local brigade so they have that support outside of the classroom and then lastly um, 
they keep the laptop that was donated and there's a placement component. So we're trying to get them into an internship, a fellowship, or full-time employment. So that's one of the things that I'm particularly excited about here in North. Uh, I think our biggest challenge that we've faced is uh, policy. Uh, we are working towards an open data policy. And what, the, what does that mean? It means that, you know, let, let's go back to what civic tech is. Civic tech technologies, they're not vendors. They work with not for. So where do we fall into the landscape of um, creating projects or programs that work with the city? Where do we get our funding from? Um, you know, with how, how we approach our business, OpenJC, we get our own funding because we can't rely on government. They don't have, they don't have the policy in place to be able to, su to su sustain an organization like ours. Like, like I said, we're not a vendor, so we can't go through the RFP process. Um, I think that w that's been our biggest challenge, is to get policy-minded individuals to kind of jump on board on this whole civic tech movement that is going on. Um, so how can we get more civic-minded? Our audience today is civic-minded people. What would be your advice to them? If, how many of you want to get involved in civic tech? Everyone raise your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how can the people in the audience today and other civic-minded, non-governmental organizations, nonprofits, how can they play a role in what you're doing in your cities? I actually wrote five steps, and I, I wrote it down because I did not want to forget one of them, so pardon me if I read it off. So it's utilize exi existing social infrastructure, utilize existing tech skills and infrastructure, create a two-way educational environment, lead from shared spaces, and distribute the power. Okay. To add to that, right, <laughs> if you are a civic, if you have a civic organization that has certain mission in mind, right, you are working towards that goal, you can definitely reach out to some technologists who can help you, you know, kind of reach a goal faster or better. Uh, Meetup is a great place. Meetup.com has all kinds of, uh, you know, tech meetups that are in your space, in your city, close by your areas, and you can reach out to them. Either go to attend those talks and say what you are about. These people are looking for meaningful projects to work towards. That, that would be a great start. So kind of reaching out local talent. Second one is, as you know, Izia pointed out, they are working on growing local talent. So that's another thing. If you are in educational space, in addition to other programs, you can start a tech program, a programming or a coding program that will grow local talent that would high, help high school students achieve you know, programming or technological literacy that will lead to being them, them being able to help you kind of grow that talent. I think those are like perfect answers um, <laughs> first. Uh, but I, I would just say just be enthusiastic about participating. Um, I am a self-proclaimed beginner intermediate programmer which ultimately means I use Google for a lot of things, um, like most of my colleagues. Um, but essentially, it's not being you know, afraid to you know, look like you don't know what you're doing or be uncomfortable, um, because I think participation is crucial. Like I said, you know, laymen are 
just as important as that expert programmer. Um, a lot of the times you have programmers who are awesome at writing code, but they have no idea what's happening in the community, um, or they have no idea of you know the visual aesthetics to actually deliver something that people want to engage with. Um, your application can do everything that it's supposed to, but if it doesn't have that smooth swipe to the left, people aren't going to use it just because it's 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 a it's sketchy. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think about you know users first. If we always think about the users first, we're going to think about you know those 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 uh, those problems that all of us are concerned about, and then we can work on you know solving them together. I think if we could rename the, the this movement industry civic tech to something else, we would probably definitely take out the tech because it confuses people. People think that we're a bunch of techies. Um, Isaiah and I are not programmers. We are community organizers and designers. The only techie, taggy techie, is Sherrod here. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 we're trying to de demystify this movement by while creating programs and projects, we engage and we educate the underserved um, and just kind of show them what this really is. Your, your place in this, your, your, your passion, your civic-minded, uh, or you caring about just your, your household, your building, we can create a project around that. You said tech, and that reminded me, like, technology, I think, is very expensive, you know? We have to always, we're buying new cell phones every year, new iPhone, get the new update, and our local governments are working with really outdated technology in a lot of the city hall offices. <laughs> and citizens, I'm guessing you guys have to pay for your own equipment. But how can the movement keep up at a local level without the right resources? You know, what, what are, you know, how do you keep up with civic tech if you can't keep up with the technology, both on the citizen side and on the government side? I think the tech, see, the tech doesn't have to be expensive. You might see corporations spending huge budgets on technology, but that doesn't have to be so. So there are alternative means. Okay. For example, I'll uh, give an example that everyone can relate to. Uh, the latest six uh, iPhone six S costs around nine hundred dollars. Okay, but you can still buy a Motorola G at $150 that can pretty much do the same thing that an iPhone 6S does. Is it as swanky as the iPhone 6S? Probably not, but it's still almost as effective. Uh, and that's what we mean. So taking it to the you know, corporate landscape or the government landscape, one of the key things that the governments have to do is to embrace open source. Okay. Almost every major technology that we have in place right now has an alternative free open source product. An Oracle database, if you guys are familiar with that word, costs hundreds of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and sometimes millions of dollars of uh, millions of dollars for licenses. But there are open source products like MongoDB, PostgreSQL that cost zero dollars. Zero dollars for royalties and licenses. And the government has to embrace that. That's a very neat solution. Uh, the second aspect that I feel is demystifying the RFP, the RFP process. The RFP process in the government, federal, state, and even the local government is very complex. And it serves as a barrier of entry for new entrants. We started uh, taking a look at it, and we cannot figure it out. It is complex. Uh, and what does that help? That helps the existing vendors, the incumbents. From, it helps them provide solutions to the government with fat margins. 
that others cannot easily disrupt. If we can simplify and demystify that process, new entrants will come in. And maybe the third thing is to encourage the local brigades, the local talent and non-profits and facilitate grants and other sources of funding for them so that even it doesn't have to come from the, you know, the city budget or the municipal budget. It can come from external sources as long as the city governments and the bodies are helping facilitate that process towards building products that can help the cities and the governments. And to that last point, because I know we have to go, uh, there's a fellow from uh, Code for America, uh, Pittsburgh Brigade, or fellow from Pittsburgh, right? Well, anyway, it's, it's a part of the Code for America network. She actually created a tool uh, through the Code for America network that demystifies the RFP process for small businesses. So that's on their website as well. What time is it? I'm I would say the community. I would say the community. Um, I think if you have enough of the community involved, um, all of those other folks will come to the table. Uh, Politicians are going to come to the table, of course. Those people who, you know, they have access to are going to come to the table, funders, uh, developers, and such. Um, So I think that the community is crucial. Um, If you look at San Francisco, you look at Chicago, you look at um, Philadelphia, these cities where, you know, whether... Uh, I don't think it was the government or uh, big developers that led those those civic tech move, movements. And if you go into those cities now, there's a lot of people who don't work in civic te- who don't work in uh, local government who are kind of at the forefront of those efforts. So I think if we you know c- continue to push to educate the community, like this this group here, um, the next time I see you all, I hope that you know they ask if there are any uh, civic tech or civic hackers in the room. Everyone raise their hand because everyone's a technologist, um, and that's what we. You need to continue to work towards. And I would also say nonprofits, um, like for example in Jersey City, with Code for JC and Open JC, we actually have a great relationship with all pockets of uh, community members in Jersey City. The problem is our time to allocate to actually going out there and meeting them. So we would love to be able to partner with other nonprofits so that they can help because they're getting a lot of the funding to do community engagement. We can we can direct them to those folks that they are not connected to. Okay. Uh, yes, it was done in partnership with the Port Authority, and the kind of data was primarily turnstile data. That means wh- who is exiting and ent- entering the path at what point uh, on a, I think, minute by minute or like every five minutes. Specifically the path. Yeah, it was the path, yeah, the New Jersey path. 
and this was very significant at that point there was a conversation going on that would stop the path from running on weekends after a certain time and that was a huge dent to you know the neighboring cities like Jersey City Hoboken which kind of depends upon you know who are people going back and forth from New York and we okay, okay. so you understand the significance of that <laughs> We have four minutes, five okay. minutes. Okay. We will hustle and bustle over there. Okay. I just wonder about the um, age divide, and I'm wondering about, you know, there are a lot of us who have worked with nonprofits and have worked in community engagement um, in a kind of old-fashioned way, um, and who, you know, I mean, we use our telephones and we use our computers, but I'm just wondering if younger people, you know, the kids that we have going to coding club and learning how to actually do their work, I mean, how do you connect them to this community part of it? Actually, everyone's new to Civic Tech, right? So what we do is we create a platform for, for teams to get together, and we nurture those teams. Those teams include the old-minded uh, civic activists who have no idea even how to go onto a smartphone. Um, they are, we, we make them the voice. You know, of the of the community, and they come back and they let us know. Okay, well, what's the feedback? They're important. Without them, this cannot happen. The 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 techies who are in front of the computer, it gives them a, a life purpose to actually want to create a piece of code. Um, so we actually create teams and we foster those teams. I'm getting the kill it sign from Paula. <laughs> but um, thank you everyone for coming. Thank you. Very much. We're going to be here, so please yeah. come. Thank you very much. On the side. Thank you for joining us. For more information on NJ Spotlight or to offer comments, please go to njspotlight.com. To learn about this specific conference, visit njspotlightoncities.com. Production services were provided by professional podcasts on the web at beingthemedia.com. For everyone here at NJ Spotlight, this is Lee Keo. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.